so one of the Chavra asked that we speak about dipping challah in soup on Shabbos, and apparently it's Nogeya, because on Friday night someone came over to me and said, so what's the deal with dipping challah in soup on Shabbos? So I thought that's a good time in Allah topic. So let's analyze. Uh, there is a concept called Ein Bishel Achar Bishel, <coughs> but there are many different methods of... Ein Bishel Achar Bishel essentially means once you've already violated, once Bishel has already been done on an item, uh, Bishel cannot be done again on the item, meaning one cannot violate Bishel on an, an item that's already been cooked. Bishel doesn't happen, happen a second time. However, there are many methods of cooking, so which ones are considered a new kinds of qualitative change, which can happen after Bishel, meaning, for example, there's uh, cooking, and there's frying, and there's roasting, and there's, there's baking, and there, there are all different types of uh, changing food through, uh, through the use of heat. So uh, even though in Bishel, Achar Bishel, what about Bishel, Achar Afiyah, what about Afiyah, Achar Bishel, which ones are considered a new qualitative change, and what would be prohibited after Bishel? So there is a basic machlokas rishon. The Mordechai in Shabbos al Shin Beis quotes a Yireim. This is a famous shita sayireim that even though ein bishul achar bishul, we hold yesh bishul says yireim achar afia. That's something that's been baked. If you then cook it, it's a violation of bishul. You're not allowed to cook something after baking or roasting it. He then says that you have to be careful not to put your challah in the soup because it will cook your bread that's already been baked. The bread has been baked, but when you put it in hot soup, you are now cooking it, and not to put roasted things into your soup. He then says, "V'im asakain," and if you do that, chil Shabbos, you're mechal Shabbos. That's uh, you know, you might as well drive a car in Shabbos. And he has two rayas. The Gemara Pesachim Daphne Malv says that cooking a previously roasted carbon pesach is a violation of cooking the carbon pesach. So apparently the halach is not allowed to cook carbon pesach. But what if it's already been roasted and now you cook it? Yeah, it's still a violation of cooking the carbon pesach because that's still called cooking. So you see, apparently cooking something after it's already been baked or roasted for that matter is still called bishul. And second, that in order to fulfill the mitzvah of matzah, it has to be lechem oni and it has to be baked. So cooking a matzah takes away its status of a baked bread. And the Gemara Pesachim, Memalev, tells us that according to Rabbi Yossi, you don't fulfill your obligation of achilas matzah on Pesach if the matzah was first baked and then cooked in water. The Gemara says the same in Baruchas Taflam Lechas. So this is not about Gebrach. This is a dintal raisa, right? Gebrach is a minute. This is a dintal raisa that apparently cooking the matzah negates the previous baking and now the matzah is considered a cooked item rather than a baked item. So apparently, yesh bishel achrafia, that is the shita sayyireyim. The ravya totally disagrees because the proof from the cooked matzah doesn't work because the Gemara Brachas Taflamaches says that the problem with cooked matzah is only that it loses its tam matzah. It's not that it has a din of mevushal versus uh, ne'efa, it's just that it loses its tam matzah. It's a localized din in hilchas matzah. It's got nothing to do with hilchas Shabbos. As far as the din by Karm Pesach, the Gemara Pesachim tries to make the comparison between Karm Pesach that's cooked and matzah that's cooked, but rejects the comparison by saying, Bashal mevushal mikol makom, which seems to be a local din in Karm Pesach. That Bashal mevushal mikol makom tells me that any remnant of any sort of bishop was going to passel carbon pesach. So again, a separate thing by carbon pesach that even something that wouldn't normally be considered bishul by regular criteria by carbon pesach is going to be considered bishul. So here you have this machlokas between the arayim on the one hand 
holds that you're not allowed to cook something that's already been baked, and the Ravya, on the other hand, who says that you are. So the Beis Yosef says that the truth is the Gemaras really are a bomb kasha on the Yireim. That which the Yireim thought was a riot to him, the Gemaras so clearly indicate that the Dinim by Matzah and Karm Pesach are unique to those areas of Halacha, that it's difficult to understand how the Yireim would defend himself. So one defense may come from reading the Sugyas themselves, because unlike the Gemara and Brachos of Lamches, the Gemara in Psachim, after asking whether we compare Matzah Mavushal to Karm Pesach Mavushal, never answers that the comparison is faulty on account of Binatan Matzah Valeka. That was only the Gemara in Brachos that gives that answer, that uh, Binatan Matzah, which disqualifies Matzah Mavushal while allowing Karm Pesach Mavushal. Instead, the Gemara in its second answer rejects the comparison simply by saying that Karm Pesach is an exception because Bashal Mavushal Mikal Makom. So the first answer apparently accepts the comparison between Matzah and Pesach. So perhaps there is a machlokos hasugyos whether we hold the idea of being in time Matzah Valeka and the Urayim Paskins like the Gemara in Pesachim which rejects the idea while the Rav Paskins like the Gemara in, Brach, in Brachos which accepts the idea. The problem with that approach is that the Gemara in Brachos uses to explain why we say ha'adama on a cooked vegetable. Cooking isn't really mevatel, the essence of the item. It just impacts matzah, which has a special din, dafka ve matzah. So if you don't hold the answer of binatam matzah, you would say shahakal on a cooked vegetable. The problem is we paskin that you say ha'adama on a cooked vegetable, as hakan the yireim, then also paskin like the gemarim tzachim against the gemarim brachos. Okay, that's a lot to say, but we're not going to get, I mean, uh, if you didn't follow all that, that's fine. But uh, another uh, defense of the yireim is offered by the Eglital. The Eglital in Ofet, Tesvav Beis, says that the very phrase, Binatam Matzah, uh, Veleka, is to indicate that Bishel takes away the Afiya. The phrase, Binatam Matzah, can't just mean, no, there's a separate din by Matzah that you have to taste the Matzah, because we know that's not true. The Gemara says, Bola Matzah, Yatzah. If you swallow Matzah without tasting it, you're Yotzeh the Mitzvah. The proof is it doesn't simply mean that you have to taste the Matzah, it's from the fact that the Gemara follows up with a similar question about Marar, and says, Binatam Matzah, Veleka. Why didn't the Gemara already know that answer? We already said Why wouldn't the Gemara already know the same must be true about Mara? Because it must be that we know that Tamatza is a different din about losing the shame baked, whereas Veleka is an actual din that Bala Mara Loyatza, they actually need to taste it. So maybe, maybe, says Eglital, when we say Veleka, what we're actually trying to say is that it has a shame Bishel now and not a shame, a shame of being Ne'efa. The Taz defends the Urayim in a third way, that the very fact that the taste changes is the very same reason it's also to do it on Shabbos, because it's clearly a Melech's Machshavis, because it's a significant improvement in the item. Taz points out that we're Mechaiv Mishum Bishel when it's still improving, when it's Mitztamek V'yafalo. That indicates that any qualitative change qualifies as Bishel. So when the Gemara says, it's indicating that we recognize the qualitative change caused by cooking matzah. So tam matzah is not a localized din in matzah. It applies equally to Bishel B'Shabbos. It's just saying that there's a qualitative change. So whether that same din applies to Karm Pesach is subject to machlokas. It could be that Karm Pesach just has a din sli, and it doesn't matter what qualitative change you make to it. Or it could be that when the Gemara says, it means to say that Karm Pesach all also goes through a qualitative change. Rav Willig just points out that the nafkamina between the Eglital and the Taz is about toasting bread. 
the Taz would say it's Aser, because the Taz holds any serious qualitative change is going to be a violation. So when you toast bread, toast is different than bread. Uh, but uh, so that's a serious qualitative change. But the Glital would say it's Mutter, because the halachic status is not changed by the toasting. Toasting is just further baking. It's just baking it more. It's not a different kind of qualitative change. So that is the uh, explanation for the or the, the various defenses of the Yireim. The second Chiddush of the Sefer Yireim is that not only do we assume Yesh Bishal Acharafiyah, but the Sefer Yireim has a second Chiddush, which really... Um, is necessary if one wants to be machmir about putting challah in soup is that it even happens in the klisheni. Because most of the time when we dip our challah in the soup, we don't go to the soup pot, that's a klirishon, and start dipping uh, challahs in the soup pot. Most of the time we're doing it, it's in our soup bowl. The soup bowl is uh, klisheni or more or, or further. So you'd have to be machmir that not only yesh bishalach you'd also have to be machmir that that even happens in a klisheni, and the Uraim says, Nachon, it happens even in a klisheni. You see, normally we assume klisheni eno mevashel, that a klisheni lacks the capacity to cook, it's not hot enough, that the dofne ha kli cool down the uh, liquid that you put in it, and it's not hot enough to, uh, to cook. So normally we assume a klisheni eno mevashel afterwards. The Torah rejects the Sefer Uraim based on the fact that your soup bowl is a klisheni. So he says, even if. You want to say that Yesh Bishalach but not in a klisheni. Klisheni is not anything. The Yireim clearly learns that while that may be true that a klisheni is not mavashal, we know that there are exceptions to that rule. We know that there's something called kale habishal, things that are very easily cooked. So the Yireim learns bread is kale habishal. Um, the the Mishnah in Mesech HaShabbos gives us like a couple of examples of Kalei Abishal. The simple reading of the Mishnah is that most foods are presumed not to be Kalei Abishal. Most foods are presumed not to be able to be cooked in a klisheni, meaning not to have the, uh, the to be subject to the change of Bishal in a klisheni, and therefore mutter to cook in a klisheni. But the Uraim says that we have to assume uh, that everything is Kalei Abishal unless proven otherwise, right? So it's a question of of, uh, of attitude, it's a question of uh, assumption. Do we assume that nothing is Kalei Abishal unless you see that it's so clearly Kalei Abishal? Or do we assume everything is Kalei Abishal unless it's been identified by the Gemara as being one of the Chumrei Abishal, being one of those things that you know doesn't get cooked in a klisheni? So the Uraim was putting together two Chumras, that Yesh Afia Achar Bishal, against the Ravya, and that bread is Kalei Abishal against the Tur. The Uraim concludes, that I think both of these chumras are correct, I think they're right, and therefore when you put bread in hot soup in a klisheni, I think it's a violation of an iser da oraisa. Shulchan Aruch and Sefei quotes both opinions, first that of the Uraim and then that of the Ravya, first the Uraim, the Yesh Bishlach Rafia, then the Ravya, the Rein Bishlach Rafia. According to Rav Avadia and, uh, and also his son in Yalkut Yosef, Rav Avadia is in Liv Yaschein, also Memtes, and Yalkut Yosef is in Shin Yudches, Samach Aleph, 
the Shulchanarach, when he quotes two opinions, he's passing like the second yesh. That once food went through any form of vishal, you could reheat it in any way that you want. So even if it went through afia, you don't have to worry about vishal, like the shita of the ravya. The bir alacha in Siv Tezvav, in the Yavesh, seems to hold that the Shulchanarach passes like the first yesh, to be machmir like the Uraim, that you're not allowed to put bread into your soup. But that's all within the shitas hamechaben. The Ramah paskins very clearly that not only should we be machmir, that yesh bishalachar afia, we even to be, need to be machmir with the klisheni, that yesh bishalachar afia, even in a klisheni. So you should be machmir not to put bread in a klisheni, and obviously not in a klishon when it's filled with hot liquid. Therefore, if you make tea from tea essence in a klisheni, you're not allowed to dip a cracker into the tea. Or if you, 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 your soup is in a klisheni, you shouldn't put challah or baked croutons into the soup. However, the Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa points out that the croutons that you get, those little yellow tile croutons, those are not subject to this problem because those are deep fried in oil. Those were never baked. Those are deep fried, and therefore they have the status of being mavushal, and everyone agrees, ein bishal achar bishal. So you're even allowed to put those into a kli rishon. I think uh, Rabbi Sablavsky said that one time he, he, before he was aware that those were deep fried, he thought it's kedai to be machmir about the croutons, but he really liked croutons. So I think it was on Morosh one summer, they decided to put the croutons in the soup before Shabbos, and then uh, have the, the croutons a few hours later, and they just had a bunch of little yellow sponges in their soup. It was disgusting. So uh, that's not the way they're meant to be eaten. If you leave them there for too long, they just turn gross. Um, so uh, there's no hesitation whatsoever about putting uh, yellow croutons in your soup. If they were just fried and not deep fried, then it would be a machlokas as to what the status of frying is. The metzius is, though, that they're deep fried. So where we are right now is that if you have baked croutons, like those pieces of bread, you know, those toasty pieces of bread kind of croutons, or challah, you're not allowed to dip it in your soup because your soup is a klisheni and the Ramaz machmir, yesh bishalach in a klisheni. So is there any hetter? So the Mishaburah has a hetter. Mishaburah says, well, if the soup is in a klishlishi, it's mutter. If the soup is in a klisheni and chanami. So here in camp, by the time it's in your bowl, it's for sure a klishlishi lechaladeos because it went from the big pot in the kitchen somewhere to whatever they scoop out the, uh, you know, put the soup on the pot into the um, what do they call those things? The big serving bowls that they put on the table, and then from there to another ladle, and from there into your soup bowl. So that's it's lechaladeos. It's at least a klishlishi, but that works with the assumption that heter that's that that it's klishi. That that works with the assumption that there's something called the klishlishi, which is a concept that doesn't get mentioned in shas or rishonim. They don't talk about klishlishi. Gemara says. The Mishnah said, Kli Rishon is Mavashel, Kli Sheni is not Mavashel, except for Kali Abishal get cooked in a Kli Sheni. Never a word about a Kli Shlishi. No one says anything about a Kli Shlishi. The first person to think of the idea called Kli Shlishi or to mention it as a concept is the Prima Gadim. Uh, that's pretty late. So there are two attitudes toward Kli Shlishi, and why on earth did no Gemara or no Rishon ever mention Kli Shlishi? So Moshe held it was never discussed because it's obviously not something that can cook. Even a Kli Sheni can only cook Kali Abishal. 
Klishlishi probably can't cook anything, not even Kalei Abishal. So Klishlishi, you're, 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 it's, you're good to go, no problem. That's why Ramosha holds, you can make tea in a Klishlishi, even though tea is a Kalei Abishal, according to Ramosha, not according to Ramosha, but tea is a Kalei Abishal, no problem. You can make tea in a Klishlishi, of because you can make tea in a Klishlishi, because he holds it's definitely not Kalei Abishal. But most uh, Ramosha and many other posts come hold that it's the classic example of Kalei Abishal. But anyway, um, so the, that's the Ashita of Ramosha. The Chazanish and Rav Salvechik understood that since a klisheni also isn't mevashel, so a klishlishi is just like a klisheni. It's something that's hot, that's not mevashel. And what's the rule by a klisheni? Kale abishal get cooked in a klisheni. So if kale abishal get cooked in a hot klisheni, they also get cooked in a hot klishlishi. So if Salvechik held you can make tea in this klisheni because he thought that tea is not kale abishal. But if it were kale abishal, he wouldn't even allow it in the klishlishi. He'd be more machmir than Ramosha. Mishabur is machmir like the chasanish, uh, like Rav Salvechik said, but then when there is another tzad lahakel, Mishabur says, then you can rely on that with combination of a klishlishi. Meaning, even though Mishabur says, I think we have to be machmir about a klishlishi having the ability to cook kale abishal, if there's some other tzad lahakel also, then you can use the fact that maybe klishlishi is not mevashel as a, as a tzad lahakel. So do we have any other tzad lahakel when it comes to the soup? So the Mishabura Paskins, yeah. Even though we're, we're machmir like the Ramah and say, yesh bishlach like the Uraim, even in a klisheni, you could put breads or, bread or croutons into your bowl of soup, right? Why? Because you have the sheet of the Rabiah that ain't bishlach plus the fact that it's a klishlishi according to those deos that hold that klishlishi helps. So uh, klishlishi could work as long as you're mitztarif it with something. And here we have something to be mitztarif it with. And therefore the Mishabur says that it's no problem as long as it's a klishlishi, it's no problem. Question is, is your bowl of soup always a klishlishi? Meaning here it is, at home is it? Right, how do you uh, get soup at, at home? So you have a big a bowl, a big pot of soup. You stick a ladle in the pot of soup and you ladle it into a bowl. So is the ladle the klisheni and therefore the bowl the klisheni? Or is the ladle still a klirishon because it gets immersed fully in the bowl, in the pot rather? And then the bowl is only a klisheni. So the Mishabura being makil seems to assume that soup is a klishlishi, which is against the tads. The tads holds that a ladle has a din of a klirishon because it's dipped into the pot. However, it seems that the Mishabura contradicts himself when he says that, because in Sivkat and Pezayin, he says that a ladle does have a din of a klirishon. So how could it be? Mishabura, on the one hand, is being makel over here, apparently assuming that your bowl is a klishlishi because he's assuming your ladle is a klisheni. And... Uh, Yet, uh, he, he, he paskins like the Taz, that a ladle is a klirishon. So Shmir Shabbos gives two answers. First, uh, it's evident from the Mishmur himself in Sivkat Pezayin, the ladle only receives the status of a klirishon if it sits in the pot for an extended period of time. Um, so it could be that ladle sometimes is a klirishon. If the ladle is just hanging out in the pot, and then you pick it up, so then it's a klirishon. But if you're just dipping it in and scooping out, dipping it in and scooping out, then it would be a klisheni. Second, he says, since bishal acharafiyah is a machlokas, 
and the halachic status of a label in a Kli Rishon is also a machlokas, so maybe we could be mekel, because it's enough stadim lahakel. I mean, the Mishmur is aware that label is a controversy, it's a machlokas. Bishlach is a machlokas, so maybe you could be mekel, that that's considered a klishlishi, and be mekel on the klishlishi like the ravya. All of this, all of this is only if the, uh, the there's only a discussion if the soup is still yatsaledas. If the soup is not even hot enough to be yatsaledas, then of course there's no bishul, right? Something that was once in a kli rishon is not mavashal if it's freezing cold. So how do we define what's called freezing cold? Anything that's below yatsaledas clearly, clearly doesn't have the ability to be mavashal. So someone asked me, he had a little bit of soup left at the end of the bowl. Um, I don't know, like an hour and a half after the waiters put the bowls on the on the table. You know, put the uh, the, the big uh, pots on the table, and the serving dishes on the table, uh, and he asked me, "Can I put my challah in the soup?" Yeah, you could put the challah in the soup the same way you could put the challah in soda. I mean, it was cold, and there was nothing nothing wrong with it at that uh, at that time. So to summarize, if your bowl is a klishlishi, we are mekel mishpurz mekel that you're allowed to dip your challah in the soup. But if the bowl is a klisheni, the mishpurz is machmir like the sheet of the yireim. Bishal Achar Afia, and uh, therefore, uh, while the, the soup is still above Yatsalad, is still piping hot, it's a good idea to, uh, and you, if, if, uh, if the ladle spent a good amount of time in the, uh, in the, the soup pot, it's a good idea to be, uh, to be Machmir. Yeah, but you're not. If, well, certainly, if you just uh, take take some out with your spoon and then you no, dip the challah with a spoon. But that's irrelevant because we're talking about dipping the challah into the soup, right? and that's in the bowl. That's not in the spoon. If you want to dip your challah into the spoon, then for sure fine. Okay, then it will also be below yatsaladis. You haven't got something before. Oh, okay. See, that's why I tell you to wait. Okay. All right. Um,